Good morning and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a vision for you big book study. My name is Lynn S and I am a recovered compulsive overeater in Toronto, Canada. Today is Wednesday, February the 24th. We are reading from the big book, continuing our study about more about alcoholism. We're on page 39, the second paragraph. Fred is a partner in a well-known reading through 18 lines to in spite of his character and standing. The share ID for yesterday, Tuesday, February the 23rd, the 7 a.m. meeting was 16454, and the 10 a.m. meeting was 16455. And today's readers, the 12 steps, Patricia C., 12 Traditions, Deborah M., and Readers of the Text, Lisa B., Kudiar, and Tenzin P. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states, each, sorry, I just lost my place. Each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. Patricia C., could you read the 12 steps for us, please? Patricia C., Recovered Compulsive Overeater. The 12 steps of Overeaters Anonymous. We had, one, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Number two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Number three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Number four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Number five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Number six, We're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Number seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Number eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Number nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Number 10, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Number 11, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us 
and the power to carry that out. Number 12, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you for letting me serve. Thank you, Patricia C. And Deborah M. will read the 12 traditions. Good morning, Deborah. Good morning, Deborah M., recovering in Baltimore, Maryland. The 12 traditions. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God, as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop compulsive overeating. Four, each group should be autonomous, except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. 10, O-Readers Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues. Hence, the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. 11, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, and films. 12. Anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all our traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you. Thank you, Deborah M. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature and stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our absence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass. Then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. Today, we resume our study of the big book in the chapter more about alcoholism. We're on page 39, the second paragraph. Fred is a partner in a well-known. 
We're reading through 18 lines to in spite of his character and standing. Lisa B., could you start us off, please? Yes, good morning. My name is Lisa B. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Greenville, South Carolina, and I do spell my name L-E-S-A. Fred is partner in a well-known accounting firm. His income is good. He has a fine home, is happily married, and the father of promising children of college age. He has so attractive a personality that he makes friends with everyone. If ever there was a successful businessman, it is Fred. To all appearance, he is stable, well-balanced individual. Yet, he is alcoholic. We first saw Fred about a year ago in a hospital where he had gone to recover from a bad case of jitters. It was his first experience of this kind, and he was much ashamed of it. Far from admitting he was an alcoholic, he told himself he came to the hospital to rest his nerves. The doctor intimated strongly that he might be worse than he realized. For a few days, he was depressed about his condition. He made up his mind to quit drinking altogether. It never occurred to him that perhaps he could not do so in spite of his character and standing. Well, this is a a powerful reading and it's really to me broken up into three parts. The first part is all about appearance, you know, and appearance is the way I look, the way I sound and appearance can be so deceiving. You know, everything is positive and wonderful for him. He's got a responsible job with a prestigious place. You know, he's got money, a nice home. He's happily married, promising children and attractive personality. So that's the first part. And then that little word yet. And I looked up that word yet. And it says yet means up until the present. So it was fine up until it wasn't fine. And that's what it was like for me. You know, my whole family, we were all about how we looked. We needed to look good and we needed to sound good. And if there was screaming and horroring and fighting, which there was, the windows needed to be closed and the curtains down because we didn't want anyone to know what was going on on the inside. And that's how I was, you know, on the inside I was suffering, but it, as long as I look good on the outside. And, you know, the other thing that this says to me is, you know, an alcoholic is only someone that's down and out, lives under the bridge. A compulsive overeater is only someone that's really big you know, an undisciplined person. Well, I was thin and very disciplined, but I'm a real compulsive overeater and I was dying on the inside. And then it goes into another part where things are starting to fall apart, you know, and he's got, he goes somewhere to get relief from his, from his jitters and he feels ashamed and he's trying to soothe himself. And I think of how many ways I tried to soothe myself. You know, I'm going to take control over this. I'm going to do a new food plan. I'm going to learn more about nutrition. I'm going to learn more about exercise, calories in, calories out. I'm going to learn more about restricting and doing detoxes and all of that stuff. Maybe get a new hairstyle, a new outfit, you know, maybe some hair extensions. And I would just try and find these ways. And then the bottom is starting to fall out. And the doctor says, you know, you may be a lot worse than you think. And that's what started to happen to me. But don't worry. I'll just grab onto my mind and my intelligence. I'm going to make up my mind and I'm going to figure this out. And that's where we leave off, you know. And that's where I continue to leave off today. Even though I'm recovered, it's always a deeper surrender. I always can go back to that natural place for me. I'll figure it out. I'll get to the bottom of this and, you know, I get reminded over and over again that 
I can't figure it out. So that's where I'll, I'll leave us all hanging here. And I'm glad to be here. Grateful recovery. I pass. Thank you, Lisa B. The line is now open for sharing on what we just read. Although we value your experience, we ask that you limit your share to every third day so that others may share their experience too. So if you shared yesterday or the day before, please step back and let others have their turn. And please say your name just once. It does help me hear everybody. Who would like to share? Pamela P. Adriana D. Pamela Dara L. Okay, let me tell you who I did here because I did miss some people. I have Pamela P, Adriana C, and Dara L. Who did I miss? Pamela G. Carmela G. Darian K. Anyone else? Devara S. Devara S. Okay, great. There's our lineup. Let's go with that. We have Pamela P., Adriana C., Dara L., Carmela G., Darian K., and Devora S. Good morning, Pamela. Hi, good morning. Um, this is Pamela P. Uh, God bless the moderator and everyone. Um, I just started coming on this meeting maybe a week or something ago, and God bless everybody. Everybody's been very sweet. Um, wow. So when I hear the paragraph, I remember a couple of things. First, I remember when I was a child, uh, my mom was suffering from bulimia then, and I didn't know about it. And how we appear outside, we were like a happy family. And inside, um, it was horrible for me, at least, not my brother. Um, I felt like with the it child, it's like everything because of me, everything bad because of me, or shame was because something the way I look. I used to be locked in the closet and tied up at night. So I remember that part and had to be 10. And then later in life, when I was in the adult industry, I remember how everything appeared nice outside and the way you look was so valued but inside I was dying or having this disease and I use this disease because I need to have something to go to and then I couldn't control it I couldn't stop eating or I couldn't stop restriction and now today it's not about appearance although everything's you know, my whole life changed dramatically, and I with a new partner, not in the industry no more. And it's tough to not to go back because everything is based on the outside appearance. Though when I look in the mirror, I see a monster, but everyone else sees something else. And I did crave to that because it's like a safe place to go to. And the food, it's been hard to let go of the food. Um, I thank God for the meeting. I found a sponsor. I'm working on the step. And slowly but surely, I find it out is just is not the food to go to. It, number one, is God. And everything is not about the appearance. Everything about the inside you. So I'm trying. 
I'm really trying and I'm trying to just, you know, um, get used to the feeling. It will come. It come, it pass. It don't stay forever. It will go away. And everything is not about the past. Um, I got to live in the present for the 24 hours, not what happened yesterday or what going to happen tomorrow. And for that, I pass. Thank you to let me share. Thank you, Pamela P. Adriana C., it's your turn, followed by Dara L. Good morning, Adriana. Hi, this is Adriana T., Recovered Compulsive Reader in Michigan. So grateful to be here today and grateful to Team Wednesday's service. Um, so Fred's story, uh, this paragraph today, really reminds me of what I was like when I first came to OA. Um, and what's crazy is that a lot of it's a blur, which tells me that I was a lot worse off than I really um, because, you know, I must have been so far into the food that I really didn't realize how bad off I was. Um, some of the things I do remember, though, is thinking, oh, I'm not as bad off as some of these people. I'm definitely not as big. Um, oh, um, you know, I have like 10 or 20 pounds to lose. Um, you know, I'm in college, like, I I have a lot of knowledge and stuff. Surely, you know, I'm not, I don't need like a weight and measured food plan or something. I'm not like to that extent. Um, so definitely not really understanding where I was in the disease and probably not progressed enough in the disease where it was really affecting my life. Um, fast forward 12 years after that, and I'm 250 pounds, hating everyone, hating myself, wanting to die, um, totally warped in the mind about how many calories I'm actually taking in. And there's, there's no more keeping up appearances. You know, I'm clearly showing my problem on the outside um, but I mean, worse so was the obsession, um, and just the misery on the inside. And, um, I think what this really, you know, the, the sad thing is, is what I'm realizing is that, you know, now that I'm sponsoring and trying to help others is that I can do so little. All I can do is, um, tell people my story, um, walk them through the steps the way I was walked through the steps. But if they don't have the desperation there and they don't believe that they're a compulsive overeater to this chronic degree, then, you know, there's nothing I can do for them. Um, so sometimes, you know, that's really sad, but, um, you know, they have to go through the journey they have to go through just as I did. No, it would have been speaking a foreign language to me 12 years before I got into this program and took it serious. I wouldn't have been able to, I would have been like Fred, like, okay, thanks, you know. But, you know, you just get it when you get it. And so um, that's all I have to share today. Hope everyone has a great day. Thanks. Thank you, Adriana T. Dara L., it's your turn, followed by Carmela G. Good morning, Dara. Oh, good morning. Uh, this is Dara L., a compulsive overeater in Philadelphia. Um, I love this 
um, just this whole chapter, but this paragraph. Um, so, you know, I think it's really important that the authors of the big book took the time to give a gym story, you know, where everything isn't working out and you're at your, your all-time low, and then a Fred story where uh, externally everything looks like it's working out and still there's an inner spiritual hunger there's still you know an insatiable feeling of nothingness or a void you know right um, and I have had the experience of both I have been you know like in the clutches of this disease to the extent that I have had no other life worth living and then I've been in a place where um, actually what preceded my last relapse is that I got everything I said I wanted and my life looked wonderful from the outside. It looked great and everyone kept telling me how great it was. And, um, and yet inside I felt like I was dying and I just kept feeling like, is this all there is? Is this all there is? And I remember um, being at sort of like being celebrated for some accomplishment and I just started to cry and cry and cry because I felt like I'm unlovable and nobody sees the real me. And that was, it was so painful. It was so, so painful. And I was abstinent at the time and suicidally depressed and, and my external life did not meet my internal reality. And so that drove me back to the food. And in the same way that I think, you know, it's not about circumstances in terms of why we, you know, it's it's never been about circumstances for me, like why I relapse. I can relapse under any set of conditions. It's always been about that spiritual inner angst. And I love that the big book really points out that a bottom has very little to do with our external circumstances. It has to do with our inward, um, you know, reality and separation from God. And for me, you know, if I feel separated from God, whether I have nothing or whether I have everything, I'm going to reach for food uh, because, you know, I need a higher power. And so either it's going to be the God of my understanding who loves me and, and wants me to live and thrive and be vibrant and wants my inner life to match my outer life, or it's going to be the God of food that wants me, uh, you know, uh, at the brink of death so that it can continue to feed on me. And um, so, yeah, so grateful to be here. And I'm so, so grateful that this beautiful big book doesn't leave anyone out regardless of circumstances recovery is totally and completely possible if we can just identify in and do the work um, and with that I'll pass thank you Dara L Carmela G it's your turn followed by Darian K good morning Carmela good morning thank you so much Lynn for your service and for everyone on the line my name is Carmela G, and I'm a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater from New York. Um, Fred's story I can truly relate to because for over six decades, I had that mask on, that mask that I could control everything. I had the credentials after my name. No one was going to tell me anything. That arrogance, that facade, the lies I told myself. And I never realized they were lies. I just believed it in my soul that I could do everything. And the insanity of my mind, because I thought a really nice suit and a silk blouse could cover the 300 pounds that I was carrying. And never, 
never would I say that I had a miserable life. I was fine. Life was beautiful. And no one knew, not even myself, that I was so destructive. And it took having a near-death experience physically that brought me to the reality because at one point I decided it's okay. I must have this food. I know it's killing me, but I have to have it. I must have it. And if death was going to come, I was going to accept it. But that was in my insane mind, I thought that. The reality was when it really came to an experience of almost dying, I said to God, I want to live. I want to live. And it was only then that I was able to unmask and breathe and realize and finally tell myself, you are crazy. You need help. And for good fortune, I met someone and they told me about OA. And at the ripe old age of 67, I got into program and I was desperate enough to do anything. And I am so grateful because my connection to my higher power that I thought I had all those years has just grown. And the gifts I get every day are miraculous. And the gift of being able to, at that age, to lose over 170 pounds was a miracle. And for that, I can relate to Fred because I finally identified and admitted I am a compulsive overeater. And only through these steps do I get recovery every single day for one day. Thank you so much for allowing me to share, and I pass. Thank you, Carmela G. Darian K., it's your turn, followed by Devorah S. Welcome, Darian. Oh, good morning, Lynn. This is Darian Kay um, from the Berkshires in Massachusetts, recovered compulsive overeater. And boy, this, this paragraph really speaks to me. Um, first of all, the irony is I'm putting my makeup on while I listen to you guys. Um, that's, that's the irony. Um, you know, I grew up just um, thinking that as long as I looked good on the outside, it didn't matter what I felt like. And Honestly, no one really wanted to know. They just wanted to hear, fine, you know, how are you? Fine. Um, and, you know, God bless my mom. She, you know, she she encouraged that. Um, I remember my poor sister has a memory of um, my mom saying to her, I think, I think one time she was going somewhere, I was probably like the grocery store or something, and she didn't have her makeup on. And my mom said, you're going to go out like that? Marian, are you waking up? Can you hear me okay now? Or is it me? I'm, I'm not sure. Yeah. It, I, hello? I'll move Moderator, on. Moderator, it's you. We can hear. We can Lynn, hear. Lynn, it's you. It's you. It is you? Yeah. Lynn, okay. Yes. Okay. Yeah, okay. So, um, yeah, so my poor sister was like, you know, uh, kind of devastated about that, <laughs> traumatized by the fact that someone would, you know, that 
my mom would say something like that. And that's sort of how we grew up. We just, you know, just look good on the outside. Um, and also hearing over and over again, such a pretty face, if only you could lose weight, you know, that whole, the whole thing. And um, yeah, just a struggle, a struggle of my entire life. I had no idea what to do um, with my weight and my body. And, you know, I just learned how to wear stripes a long way and dolman sleeves and I don't know, all kinds of fashion things that black, black, my favorite color, black, just to hide it all. And um, so, yeah, I can so relate to um, just looking good in the outside and make, wanting people to think that, you know what I mean? Not really wanting to hide really how I felt on the inside. And it was only until I came to program and did the steps and really delved into what it was all about that I really became so much more, um, had so much more substance. I mean, it just sounds so shallow, right? When we talk about it that way, it's like a hollow, a hollow leg just, you know, um, just doesn't, doesn't go very far. Um, and so I'm just so grateful. I'm grateful that I get the opportunity on a daily basis to, um, to know that I am more than my outside and that I can offer, um, people hope and strength that comes from the heart. And, uh, you know, I, I'm so grateful to all of you. Thank you. I'll pass. Thank you, Darian K. And Devorah S., it's your turn. Please go ahead. Hi. Good morning, everyone. Thank you so much, everyone here who makes this line, who makes this meeting possible. My name is Devorah S., and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from New Jersey. And I read the story, and I say, this guy sounds familiar because I... <laughs> That sounds like me, you know. I looked good on the outside. I had I was married. Had a, had a have a husband and children. Um, you know, things looked good, you know, and but nobody knew what was going on inside because I was brought up where you know you put your lipstick on, you look good, and no one wants to hear what's going on. You know, cry cry in your pillow at night. I was told nobody needs to hear what's going on. You know, nobody's interested. And um, so I used food a lot to to suppress my feelings, right? Because the food was the thing was there for me all the time and was available and didn't have to listen to me. All I had to do was eat and shove down the food, shove down the food. And how I wish I could have gone into, check myself into a, a hospital and just, you know, be taken care of um, because that's what I thought I needed. You know, someone would just take care of me. You know, he admitted and he said he went to a hospital to recover from a bad case jitters. Uh, and I, I wish I could have had that opportunity, you know, just check in and let, 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 let's see what happens. and get some kind of um, numbing effect from the hospital. Um, and, you know, that, I thought that would do it. Um, and, you know, and the lies I told myself and the denial I lived in, oh, it's not that bad, it's not that bad. You know, as long as I had my hair and my makeup and, you know, I look good from the neck up. It's really okay. And like the other people were saying, you know, the clothing I wore to camouflage, you know, 300 pounds, that's, you know, really, you know, um, that's going to do it. Um, and, you know, but I had to hit a bottom. I had to hit a real bottom and, you know, get physically sick. You know, I knew, always, you know, with the diabetes and high blood pressure and going to hospitals and going to doctors, that was my life, running to doctor to doctor. Um, taking this pill, taking that pill, 
um, and still not being able to control the food, not being able to put the food down, not being able to do anything. So we're still using the food um, and getting good and desperate. Finally, finally, it happened where I came crawling into these rooms because there was nothing left anymore. And that is a miracle. When I came into these rooms and started to surrender, putting down the food and then the developing a relationship with God is what <clears throat> brought me here and keeps me here on a daily basis. And it doesn't just stop. You know, each day is another surrender. Each day is another surrender, another opportunity for me to get close to God. Um, and I have to keep my memory green, and that's why I'm here. And there's a story like this, and the stories in this book that keeps me centered, and I need to remember. It's so easy for me to forget. Just like it's, when I was eating, it was so easy to forget the pain and the suffering of the food, what it did to me. It's so easy for me to forget who I am. And that's why I'm here today, to listen to this and to, to hear this story and to hear everyone here gets me back, remember, keeping me remembering who I am and what I could become if I don't stay centered here in this program. So this is a tremendous reminder for me um, of who I am today. Um, and if I don't do the work, I'm going to end up, again, back in that place of these stories. Um, so really grateful um, for everyone here and for this book and for this way of life. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Devorah S. For those of us who just might have come on the line a little bit later, we're continuing our study in the chapter about more about alcoholism on page 39, the second paragraph. Fred is a partner in a well-known business, reading through 18 lines to in spite of his character and standing. The line is now open for sharing on what we just read, and although we value your experience, we ask that you limit your share to every third day so that others may share their experience too. So if you shared yesterday or the day before, please step back and let others have their turn. And please, say your name just once. It does help me hear everybody. Who would like to share? Chuck Jen. A. Jen, Jen A. Grace K. Sandy S. Layla. Okay, let me tell you who I heard. I heard Chuck, Jen A, and Grace K. Who did I miss, please? Sandy S. Sorry, I'm getting everybody at the same time. Layla. Janice PM. Lane C. Okay, great. I've got a lineup then. Thank you. And apologies to whoever I didn't hear. We have Chuck, Jen A, Grace K, Layla A, Janice PM, and Lane C. Good morning, Chuck. And can we have the initial of your last name, please? Good morning. It's Chuck K. Uh, I'm from Georgia. I'm a compulsive overeater. I've lost over 100 pounds through the working of these steps. And uh, I really liked the earlier share where they compared Fred's story to Jim's story. And I think to myself, why, why these four stories at this part of the big book? We've had Jim's story to, to help us with identification. And now we're looking at some other people so that we can identify with the disease that we have. And I'm glad for Jim's story because I, I, am, I was a 400-pound person 
400-plus pound person who didn't think that anything was wrong with him. It's okay if you drop your pencil, you can't pick it back up. Just go get another pencil. It's too hard to go down that far. But yet I thought everything was okay. And I couldn't see the damage I was doing to my body. I couldn't see the damage I was doing to my wife. I couldn't see the damage that I was doing to my children and really anyone that I would come in contact with because I didn't know a life other than one lived through my character defects and how I behaved uh, when those defects ruled my life. I couldn't see any of that. You know, I would look and say, oh, I've got all these things going good. And I did. And I think this story is important because it says these externals don't matter. None of this matters. You know, and I had to separate that and having a disease because I was uncomfortable with that, especially at the start. I didn't want to say that I was a defect. I didn't want to say there was something wrong with me. How could there be something like this wrong with me when all of these things in my life are going, going well? I can be proud of these things. But the one thing that wasn't going well was my internal condition. And the big book will tell us, we, we've lived a life so colorful and detailed, it's the only one we know. We can't see the truth from the false. We can't see what's right or wrong. And I am thankful that I have a story that says, hey, this guy was a good guy too. He was good in business. He had a good family. He's a lot like you. But, or yet, as it says, he's an alcoholic. I am a compulsive overeater. So for that reason and that reason alone, I must work these steps. I must find a power and strengthen and enlarge that relationship with the God of my understanding if I am to be re uh, in a recovered state, if I am to be someone who is, who is helping people rather than hurting people. If I'm going to be a leader, i got to work my program because I'll be a better leader. I'll be a better dad, better husband. All of these things will be better. And my life will have meaning and purpose beyond anything I could ever imagine. And that sense of uselessness and that sense of not being good enough won't totally go away. At least it hasn't yet. But at least I'm aware that it's, it's, it's not true. It's, it's dishonest. So I'm thankful for this program. I say that every time. I'm thankful for this story because it's helped me. Time, and I'm thankful for everyone here that has been a part of my journey. So have a good day. Thank you, Chuck K. Jen A., it's your turn, followed by Grace K. Good morning, Jen. Hey, good morning, Lynn. Thanks for taking the meeting this morning. My name is Jen A. I'm recovered here in Colorado. Fred, oh boy, I can identify in with Fred. It more reads like Jen was a well-known photographer in her area. She owned her own business. She was happily married to one of the finest families in town. Um, she served in the church. She had beautiful children. She was friendly with everyone, right? You know, everybody knew Jen. That was me. Um, I was successful as far as business was concerned. I was successful because I, quote, unquote, married the right guy. I had the big house. I drove the beautiful minivan with the revolving doors down the side. Um, and so I appeared to everybody on the outside like I was a stable girl, well-balanced. I love how it just reads so perfectly in here. And yet I was a compulsive overeater, and I didn't even see it. I didn't even know it. 
And, um, you know, I don't, I don't remember what my first experience was um, remembering the first time that I started to think that I had a problem, but it was definitely in my marriage. And um, I knew that I wasn't like other people when I went um, to hang out with the other ladies in the church. Um, and I, I couldn't identify in with any of them. Um, and I love how he talks about being ashamed and far from admitting. I was ashamed. No one else had the stories that I had. No one else was the size that I was or had the problems that I had. Um, so I couldn't admit to any of those people. See, Fred shows me in this um, this paragraph here, this large paragraph, that he's in denial, just like I was, right? I perceive a situation to be a certain way, and I deny it exists in order to survive. That's me. I got to look picture perfect on the outside. I can't see the truth. I can't see reality, um, and I can't see it. I can't admit it. Um, and so guess what? I can't even, I mean, I'm just, I'm just a hot mess. Um, and, and, and I love it because the doctor even says, you might be worse than you realize. He doesn't realize anything. I couldn't realize anything either. And I was depressed. I was miserable. I was dying on the inside. Um, and then I came to these rooms and I heard people like Lisa and Darian, Deborah and Chuck, all these people telling their story. And you, I could identify in, right? Because that's how it comes. Awareness comes slowly for a girl like me. You know, I know this, that something inside me exists that's not right, and I identify in with you other people, and I'm awakened to that. My old ideas had to become shattered about myself, right? And when I do these steps, and I'm at step four, and I'm doing this house cleaning, that's the inside job. I'm finally taking the roof off the house and seeing, really, who is Gen A? And I get to see me. And not only that, I've moved from the seat of denial at ground zero in the rubble and the rubbish to step one. And I can admit and acknowledge and concede to my innermost self that, yep, I got a problem. I got a big problem. And it's, and it's not just that, you know, I might be dizzy in a hospital or dizzy in my life. So with that, I'll pass. Thanks, Lynn. Thank you, Jen A. Grace K, it's your turn, followed by Layla A. Good morning, Grace. Good morning, everybody. This is Grace K from Pennsylvania. I am so grateful to be on this meeting this morning. Uh, thank you, Lynn, for your service and all that all those who have shared. Um, I can really relate to Fred. I um, just this whole idea of appearance and outward. Um, how people perceive me. Um, I grew up playing piano and performing, and that was my MO. Anything to get attention, to get approval, so that I would be seen and praised. And I was successful. I did end up getting, you know, I ended up going to college at a very good, good music school. And so I was there, and that's when this disease really uh, took off and and um, and but again everything looked good but underneath I I ended up being diagnosed with fibromyalgia chronic pain I couldn't quite function yet I looked good I I had all these I done all these things I performed in in these um, festivals and when you saw me play I looked fine and even on the outside I with this particular 
with my particular body, the weight did not show up on the outside. I definitely, and that, that actually added to the complexity of, of admitting to having this disease for me and just the deception that would occur that's like, oh, I'm, I'm not even 50 pounds overweight, so how can I be in this program? That's not, that doesn't have to be the case. Maybe I went over 20 pounds, but I still have this disease. Um, and actually, the amount of control of, uh, that went into to managing to keep it that way so that people would see me a certain way. Um, so I really love Fred's story and um, just I can, um, and, and then when it says uh, it was his, his first experience of this kind and he was much ashamed of it, um, just the shame that, that, in, um, that kept me from coming into the rooms and kept me from looking at this, at, at what's here. But, but after chronic pain, after chronic pain and not being able to play piano anymore, not being able to live my life and getting to the point where I, I can't keep that image up, that's when I came crawling. And here I am and, um, and I'm so grateful for vision and I'm just so grateful for all the support and, and everything. Um, and all those I've come across in this program. So thanks, thanks so much. Thank you, Grace K. Layla A, it's your turn, followed by Janice M. Please go ahead, Layla. Oh, thank you so much. This is Layla, great for recovering in this program. I'm overeater and um, just have to, yeah, I, I love Fred's story, uh, you know. If I could just mix this and that and I won't be, nothing is going to happen, you know. So I have to just remember that I'm, I have an allergy and I cannot have sugar and I cannot have wheat, you know, anything made out of flour. <coughs> Excuse me. I can. I'm allergic and I have to remember that, you know. Um, I've been blessed not to, you know, pick up um alcohol for 18 years uh, but this sugar and flour thing has been bothering me for the past three years so I, I'm just doing it one day at a time I have to measure three meals turn it over and be gentle with myself you know my body can exercise the way I used to exercise I became a mother and my body has changed and I just have to accept it you know and yeah, just related to you know some of the people sharing, not to crosstalk, uh, just you know because I'm 155 pounds, it's not a problem, and that's the disease, you know. Um, and my weight has always been really comfortable at 120 and 130. That's why I feel spiritually fit, you know. So it's a disease, and I just have to remember that, and I can't pick up the fast sugar or the fast flour. You know, like that's where one is not enough, a thousand is not enough, you know. So thank you very much. Thank you, Layla A. Janice PM, it's your turn, followed by Lane C. Good morning, Janice. Well, thank you so much, Lynn. Um, this is Janice PM, and I'm a grateful compulsive overeater. Um, <clears throat> and I'm from Boston, Massachusetts. When I first came and I read these stories, I said, oh, no, I'm not like this. I'm not like the man uh, the, with the milk, Jim, and I'm not like the jaywalker. But, yeah, I'm kind of, I am like Fred. But, you know, after being and really learning, um, you know, 
in this program and listening to everybody's stories and teachers in this program, um, what is the common denominator here in all these stories? The common denominator for me is they were trying to use their willpower. And it, no matter if you, you know, it was the will. It was the willpower. And, of course, you know, <laughs> that never worked with me. Because even with Fred, everything was going on good. But I still made up my mind that, okay, I'm going to go on another diet. That was the same thing. It's the same thing as, 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 as Fred here. Uh, he made up his mind. Yeah, I made up my mind. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. I'm going to control this. I'm going to try this. And, of course, we know because of self-knowledge for me, it will never fix my problem. Never, never, never. So, you know, it never occurred to me, if Fred here, no matter how outstanding he was and how well-balanced he was, he still had an emotional imbalance in him and his nerves. You know, the doctor told him. The doctor told me, Janice, you're going to become diabetic if you keep going the way you are. And I would say, yeah, okay, but I can do it. I'll, I'll go on this diabetic diet. And um, this is what Fred, too. He wanted to rest his nerves, emotions, little jittery. Yeah. My mother used to tell me the same thing. Janice, you're very nervous. And I said, no, I couldn't. But it, no, I'm not. But anyway, the, I think the important thing for me is I never really took step one years ago. I Because I was always trying <clears throat> My mind, my mind, my thinking here never took step one, truly. Because the problem is not in the food. It's not in how I look. It's not in what I do. It's in my mind when it comes to compulsive overeating. My life seemed manageable on the outside, but I couldn't manage this illness. I could By me, I could not manage it. I could say, yeah, I'm powerless, and then try to get another diet or pill or whatever it was. Um, so that's the real thing. If I don't know who I am, then I don't know where I'm going. And certainly, if I don't have step one and know that I'm truly powerless, I cannot go to step two. I don't even think about it. And with that, I'm going to pass. Thank you, Janice PM. And Lane C, please go ahead. Good morning. This is uh, Lane C. I'm a recovered compulsive reader in Rochester, New York. Um, thank you so much for your service, Lynn, and thanks everybody who's shared thus far. Um, some of what this, this certainly has me thinking about in Fred's story is, um, you know, the ways that I sought love and approval uh, from people, and, and so much of that was based in my success and in my achievements. In ways that I was always seeking love and approval from the outside. Um, and it doesn't, you know, um, it certainly speaks to some of the first experiences that I had here. Um, I, was, I was like uh, compulsively overeating all day and had no idea that I was doing it until I stopped. Um, and then realized, wow, this is actually something that I do all day. Um, I was somebody who was respected in my community. I was um, a youth minister. And, uh, and when I stopped um, compulsively overeating, I realized I had been like stealing food from the Sunday school snack cabinet for 
many, uh, many a year and had to then, you know, go and make amends for that behavior. But I would also say one of the ways that this, you know, some of this shame, denial, focus on appearance, this kind of thinking, this sick thinking that was a part of my life also transferred into this program. And so for me, it transferred into this program and I was so you know, obsessed with other people approving of me and other people loving me and caring for me. You know, the last place I wanted to look for that love was to my higher power and inside, um, inside of myself. And then, um, you know, my first, uh, my first real relapse came up and I didn't want anybody to know about it. I was like binging on the couch watching the great British baking show. And I didn't want anybody to know about it because I didn't want other people to think poorly of me. And because I wanted people to see me as successful in this program. And because I wanted to be that person with you all that could speak on this line and say, you know, I've been, you know, recovered for X amount of years. I've been abstinent for X, Y, Z amount of time. And, you know, that's why, you know, I am such a great recovering compulsive reader, recovered compulsive reader, whatever terminology we want to use. But really like, you know, there's, it's just, there's such a way that this shame and denial runs so deep. And there's so many ways that my mind can, can get to this place. And, and you know, um, really what a lot of it is about for me today is about seeking that love and that approval, um, not, you know, outwardly anywhere else, seeking where I can give it to myself inside through self-compassion. And then, you know, that sort of can, uh, can help me to be more compassionate with others. And of course, um, you know, being that vessel for my higher powers, compassion, uh, for others and, and being, being the receiver of my higher powers, compassion for myself. Um, in that, I think we don't have to sit here and be in denial any longer about a relapse uh, in the rooms when you've been abstinent for X, Y, Z amount of years. Um, we just have to be honest and real with each other. And, uh, and sometimes it's really hard. Uh, so if you're struggling with that today, please reach out. Please let somebody know. Please get honest. Uh, because for me, that's when I actually took that real first step, uh, reflecting on the last chair. Like that's when I actually took that real first step and for real knew that I was powerless. Um, so with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Lane C. And thank you to everyone who shared and to Team Wednesday. Please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following closing. And the share idea for this morning, Wednesday, February 24th, the 7 a.m. meeting is one six. Four, five, nine. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Tenzin P., would you please read A Vision for You? Our book is meant to be suggestive only. Thank you. Our book is meant to be suggestive. Oh, oh wait a minute. It, it just popped closed. I'm sorry. I'm going to have to do that again. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. Sorry. Okay, there we go. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults. Oh, it happened again. Admit your faults to him. Oh, there it is. And to your fellows. 
Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.